Welcome to Metro 30, the Metro Monthly's weekly conversation with the community. Listeners, today our guest is a journalist, writer, and the owner of the publication Metro Monthly, Mark Paco. Today we'll talk about his work, old and new, his time in Michigan, and more. Glad to have you with us today, Mark. Hey, thank you. Now, uh, two things I learned about you recently were that you studied English when you were at Youngstown State, and you, not to jump ahead, but you later went on to get your master's in historic preservation planning. Could you tell us about how journalism played a role in your early years? Okay. Well, journalism played a role. Uh, I was always interested in newspapers. I was always reading newspapers, and... uh, when I went to – on vacation with my family, mm-hmm. we went to the, New Jersey and the shore there. And I love seeing newspapers from different places. Okay. In this case, it was the Philadelphia Inquirer. Mm-hmm. It was much different than the Youngstown Vindicator, but uh, it was nice to see perspectives from different places. Even just the comics were different and you know, and the presentation was different. There were different – Features that weren't in my hometown paper, so I was I was always interested in how everybody presented their information, and that that was I was very young at the time. I mean, I was not even in high school. I don't think so. I had an interest in that, but I didn't expect to get involved in publishing. Okay, uh, that came later, but yeah. I always had an interest in. Uh, just the art of it and yeah. the presentation of it and the content and um, and I followed the evolution of that you know as time went on but that wasn't at first really what 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 drew me to newspapers I remember being in kindergarten and we had to bring in the Sunday comics mm-hmm. to you know to help with our reading and uh, the comics at the time especially in the Youngstown paper were mm-hmm. really beautiful and. Uh, Newspapers have are a lot smaller than they were then, but the paper was so wide and it was yeah. colorful and it was just really exciting, you know, to to see all the artwork and everything, and also to to learn that way. Yeah. And my dad told me later on that that's the way a lot of people who didn't have English as their primary language. That's mm-hmm. how they learned English was yeah. to read the comics, and. You, and you grow to have respect for something like the comics after that because it's not just for kids. It's really helping people yeah. to understand not only language but also society too. And uh, so I thought that was kind of cool. Absolutely. And um, I know you mentioned going out to like New Jersey and seeing the other papers or seeing the paper in Philadelphia also. You did grow up in Youngstown, right? Yes. Okay. So in young, growing up in Youngstown, how, how often – Maybe also family vacations or outside of family vacations. How often did you get the chance to be exposed to other papers? Well, uh, I would say that it didn't happen right away. Okay. Uh, you know, we, we lived in Mahoning County. I grew up in uh, part of my life in, in Mahoning County, went mm-hmm. to parochial school in Camel. And then my family, my mom decided they wanted to move, so that we moved to Trumbull County. Okay. And so Trumbull County has a different primary newspaper, which was the Warren Tribune Chronicle. But we still kept our family ties and our institutional ties and our – my dad's friendships were mostly in Mahoney County. So we 
and like a lot of people, we received and bought the, the Youngstown Vindicator. So that didn't change much. But, you know, as time goes on, you you get a little bit more broader in your exposure to things. Mm-hmm. And um, I would just say that, uh, uh, you know, going to a different city and just just the idea of seeing all the news boxes on the street uh, – was was surprisingly enough, it was exhilarating to see right. that. And then whenever I and I still do this to this day. If I, I when I go visit somewhere else, yeah. I'll pick up publications that aren't even within the scope of what I do mm. because I want to. see – I've even picked up like Korean newspapers okay. just to see, <laughs> and that's a little more difficult because uh, it's you know it's just it's in a, a different language. But um, I'll pick up things, and I'm also interested in seeing. Uh, Launches of things too. I remember I picked up. I, I there was it was a pre publication of Vibe magazine. I I was able to oh, get wow. a copy of that, and and you sent in a you sent in a thing to to get it, and I got it because I like seeing how things develop, and yeah. uh, it was interesting to see what the initial content was of Vibe, and then I, I've done the same thing for you know for Entertainment Weekly for Men's Health where I've seen how they evolve, and I also see even how they change when they have either a new owner or a new mm-hmm. editor. So uh, I guess it's, it, you know, it's comparable to like if you know that a restaurant has a new owner, a new manager, you just want to see what's different yeah, about it. Yeah. So it's, that's sort of like the nerdy way, I guess, of looking <laughs> at, at, at print is that uh, I would look at and see what was different about it too. Okay. And then with that interest that you had in newspapers – just that early stuff, Um, going into college and then starting at YSU, did you decide to study English with maybe still with that interest in maybe getting into journalism sometime in the future? It was like journalism just or English just a writing thing for you. I was more of a – I was always more of a writer than a journalist. I mean that's the way I considered myself. Mm -hmm. And I also viewed myself more as a feature writer than than – than a news person. Although I follow news and you know and I follow current events and yeah. everything i I thought that my interest and my capabilities were more suited to doing feature pieces okay. and and that's really really what I've done mostly but I have also you know broken some things uh okay. as as far as stories go or I've done things that people haven't covered either so uh, and and I guess you have to look at the type of publication that I do, it's it's a monthly. Mm-hmm. So you you have to look at that and you have to see how you can be relevant within that time frame. Because if you're at a daily, you have the luxury of you know breaking things all the time because you need to do that. Mm-hmm. But with a monthly, you can't necessarily hope to break things. So you have to really oh, yeah. look at creating pr- perspective pieces or pieces that have people – give people the ability to understand what something may, may mean without being, you know, without providing propaganda, of course. Mm-hmm. Now, even just like touch on that, um, what you said about breaking news at a daily, do you think today that is more like just with how fast news is moving? Like it's like you have to, I mean, news almost breaks almost what every hour, every other hour. Do you think that's more, suited today for a journalist or a writer to maybe try and break news or should it be focused more on like feature stuff stuff that's a longer shelf life well i think that every the way things have changed with technology Mm -hmm. and with these different platforms and with the the whole idea that everybody now is their own news organization for better or for worse uh people are 
essentially breaking things all the time. But, you know, I worked at a daily newspaper, and I worked at a daily newspaper right before the advent of of really uh, the Internet and, mm-hmm. and email. And, you know, and it was pre-social media, though, too. But I saw how things were starting to move, and they were changing. And one of the lessons that you do learn when you compare that period to now is that you still have to be accurate. You still have mm-hmm. to be responsible. You still have to be able to tell and write something in a way that isn't either going to misrepresent something or or be inaccurate or even be false. So um, that's always been, you know, that's always been a concern is to really be fair and accurate. But with the the speed in which everything now is delivered, it's led to a lot of sloppiness. And it's actually led to a lot of interesting things where people will turn releasing news into a performance art where they will hmm. feed fake... They, there was a couple of election cycles ago where people f- actually fed fake stories to different large news organizations okay. just to see if they could get them into print. And and that was before the whole, you know, the whole thing that happened in the last election. Yeah. But... Uh, they were viewing it. They were actually. It was sort of like a, a study to see if they could get a large news organization to really f- provide something without really yeah. seeing if it was accurate. And surprisingly and unfortunately, there were a lot of people that wow. were, were takers on that. Wow. And even going back a, a little bit to, um, I guess that the change because as a publisher for 26 years, what was your initial reaction? I'm sure it didn't happen all at once with like the internet and email and all that, but what was your initial reaction to seeing that, that change from just like prints, like fit the physical prints and just moving online? Well, I've, I've always loved the physical product mm-hmm. the, and I, I just had a conversation about that today with somebody, somebody sent me a note and they said they picked up my, you know, the publication at a at a shop in Boardman. He said, okay. I like things the old way where you can hold it in your hands and turn the pages. Mm-hmm. And I understood what that meant because your relationship to the, the product or the publication is much different in in when it's in its physical form. But the online methods of delivery now allow you to do many things you couldn't do before. So we're able to do you know, photo albums. I mean, we we could do oh, photo yeah. layouts, but the whole idea of doing a photo album or a video or a podcast—I mean, that's that's newer. It's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's interesting though too because it it makes you understand that everything requires something a little different out of you when you're doing a um, a video piece. You have to your language is different. Your sentences are shorter. You you have to really concern yourself with how things sound because yeah. you want people to understand. Uh, but I I welcomed every change because I saw its potential. But I also before I jumped into anything, I always looked at it and I thought, well, how could I take this and make it? How can I make it not only useful to me, but also how can I like create it in a way that is interesting to me. And and I've also used the changes as a way to teach students who have been interns with me. Uh, I've used 
bad experiences as a teaching tool too. Yeah. Not that I'm saying that we're you know we're we're tr- we're trying to get somebody in trouble, but I wanted them to see that you know it's not only the publishing side; it's it's the side of dealing with people in the community. So I looked at a lot of things as as teaching tools, and as the new technologies came into being, I thought, well, how would I present? Like, how would I use Facebook as a means to connect with my my readers? Okay. And what I decided was I wasn't going to ask much of them mm-hmm. other than them to participate in a contest. Okay. And and it wasn't even – like, I wasn't even requiring them to even give me a correct answer. All I did was have them respond, and the first three people that responded would win something. Oh, wow. And I thought, really, that would be the role for me uh, – that would be one of the roles that I would want to have is – to give something to people when they're participating, and um, and it's worked out really well. People really do appreciate it. But the side the side benefit, though, is that pe- you get feedback from people that you don't normally get in other situations, where people still write me letters and they yeah. still send me postcards and they'll send an email. But there's always the you know the, there's the, like an instantaneous response that people have when they're communicating with you in, in Facebook and. And it's always nice to you know to get some sort of feedback from people, right? Right. And now, um, just to talk about the history of the Metro Monthly itself, it's been around for more than two decades. Um, going back to, like, I guess when after you're finishing school and all that, what 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 made you decide after studying English and history that I want to come to Young, or come back to Youngstown and start a publication? Well, what happened was I was I was finishing up my master's program. I was okay. living in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I went to eastern Michigan. I was working at the Ann Arbor News, and I was a copy editor and, and a sometimes writer. And at the same time, my mom took ill. She okay. had a um, – she had cancer. So I had to make the decision, like, what I wanted to do. And what ended up happening was – that situation dictated what I chose to do because I thought it was really important for me to be back home at that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't a difficult decision, but it was a decision that changed my life. And, of course, yeah. my, my mom ended up passing. But uh, while I was here, I thought, well, how could I, how could I be productive? And uh, one of the things that... I had I earned my master's degree in historic preservation planning, mm-hmm. and I had a commu- a small community development job here, which is really the thing, the, sort of the trigger that allowed me to to come back to, and uh, that that didn't work out. But uh, so I was sitting here, and you know, and I was thinking, well, what could I do? And uh, being like the sponge that I am, I yeah. absorbed a lot of stuff. And I thought, well, r- really, I probably should consider doing something in, in publishing. Hmm. And I didn't want to work for anybody. It's not that I'm adverse to working for other people, but at, at the time I just thought that I, I had ideas that I wanted to execute, and those ideas were things that I had seen. I, I worked at a daily, but I also was in the Metro Detroit market. So they had two dailies there, and then there, was a few month, there were a few monthlies. And I just looked at a lot of things, and I actually saved a lot of those issues. And oh, yeah. Features, and I thought, well, how would I translate what I saw in a daily format into a monthly format? Okay. And I thought the monthly format, I mean, the, the, 
the monthly format, the pain is is extended over a longer period of time. <laughs> On a daily, you share that pain with everybody, and it's over, you know, that morning or that afternoon. But with the monthly, uh, you tend to, you know, you you stretch things out, and you. So I, I thought, well, in order to be able to do certain things, I I'd have to consider what the format would be, what the content would be, mm-hmm. and and then I also thought of what this market would want and yeah. what it needed. And so I put together, you know, uh, actually I had a whole mock-up of it oh, yeah. just on, on paper that I had printed out and I, you know, showed it around and people were saying, oh, that's really interesting, but probably, I don't know if they were thinking, you know, like, okay, yeah, right. <laughs> but because a lot of times, you know, people have ideas, but they don't execute them. Well, mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to meet someone who had a similar interest and we we went together as partners in publishing this. And um, so the first issue came out, and uh, it was really well-received, but it was a lot of work. And I would say, like, the first three years, it was just, like, adrenaline was really the thing that, oh, wow. you know, that really pushed me. And also, I think, looking back, I think I was a little – too stupid to be afraid, you oh, know, okay. <laughs> uh, because you're so excited. And, mm-hmm. I, and I see that I see that repeatedly in a lot of people where when they go into something, uh, they're really excited about it. And that can really carry you through, uh, you know, it, it's not going to carry you through entirely, but it yeah. really helps to be excited. And it helps to have an interest and a care of for what you're doing. And I, and I had all those things. And uh, – it's been really interesting you know, to see the response. And w- as it turns out, I've now run into people that said, well, I used to use your paper when my kids were, you know, when, we were gr- when my kids were growing up. And mm-hmm. these kids are, you know, have graduated college. Oh, so yeah. I kind of have been able to bookmark how long that's been just based on hearing stuff like that. So what kind of topics or subjects were you covering at first? Well, I didn't, you know, I, I was looking at, what I could do in a monthly format, I was thinking, well, I really wanted to cover both counties. I want, I didn't want to cover one place exclusively or, or just one town. Mm-hmm. So I, I decided to look at a broader approach. But I thought that, you know, and I think because I had my feet in both Mahoning and Trumbull County, that I thought that there, even though they view themselves as, as distinct communities, yeah. and they are in some ways, there were a lot of commonalities. And as the years have gone on, I've covered Western Pennsylvania and a little bit of Columbiana County, but primarily the the focus has been the geographic area of, of Youngstown and Warren and in the suburbs. And uh, the other thing that I think I, I did do is if I introduced a section in the paper, mm-hmm. I considered who I thought the readership was. So, for example, I decided to do a health and fitness section rather than a sports section because sports can be exclusive. It can uh, uh, maybe – keep away half of the readership or, or part of the readership. So, I, And I also looked at – I had an idea that my audience was a lot broader than it was, and okay. it turned out to be true. I mean, it, when, you, when you talk about demographics and things like who your market is, a lot of times people say, well, you're, are you reaching like 25 to 35? Yeah, I, I yeah. knew that it was going to be much older because this community demographically is much older. Yeah. So – and, and older people tend to read more too. So I had a lot of older people that read that, read the paper, and uh, and I knew that it was much broader. I knew that it ranged from people that were in their early twenties to people that were 
up to 70, you know, 70 plus or 75 plus. And because I, you know, I, I realized and understood that was my audience, I also wanted to include things that would be a, a relevant to everyone. Yeah. So the health and fitness section covered a lot of, and that's just one section of many sections, but the health and fitness section covered everything from you know, pregnancy and childbirth to, oh, okay. to geriatric stuff. And, and then I also looked at, well, how can I build in things that were local into the paper? So I started doing uh, things that were historical, mm-hmm. you know, and I was always interested, always interested in history, but I incorporated history actually from the beginning, but I made sure that it was a component that would regularly, regularly be featured in the publication. And because I'm a monthly, I looked at covering things that were sort of the big picture stuff. Yeah. I'm not saying that I always hit the bullseye on that, but I always tried to feature things that I thought were interesting, uh, you know, varying maybe in degrees of importance, but uh, things that would be interesting, things that I thought people would would want to know about. And mm-hmm. and then the other thing, too, is that I think one thing that distinguishes the publication is it has a 30-day calendar. Okay. And uh, that takes a lot of time to assemble, but it also is a good resource. And in fact, I've even had people in the news business say that they look through the calendar oh, wow. for story ideas because they can see what's coming up. Yeah. And I've had people say they plan their they have wedding parties coming to town. Mm-hmm. They want to know what's what is there to do. I've even had people historically say, "What did what happened last June?" Because I want to make sure that I don't put my event on, you know, on a time when something big is happening. Yeah. So, I've had you know those kinds of questions, uh, but the calendar really allows us to you know to reach out to a lot of smaller organizations, a lot of smaller. Uh, groups that have things going on that would would be of interest. And so uh, the content in that calendar also reflects that broad readership too. So we have things for younger people, a lot of fam- a lot of library events, a lot of r- really yeah. good programs for kids. And then we also have things for people that are single, people who are couples, people who are retired, and, and it, it just runs that gamut. Uh, but I think really the common denominator is the people that read that are people that really want to know what's going on in their community, and also they want to participate in that yeah. too. And now, would would you say that some of that, well, the content or your um, the editorial vision, if you will, was that inspired also by your time in Michigan, or what were you writing at that time? Well, when I was writing, I, I was primarily a copy editor, but there were things that sparked my interest that, and I wasn't really, I, I was. I wasn't really a staff writer, but I was able to write. And the first thing that really interested me was Ellis Island was opening as a historical site. And I had the opportunity to, because I had friends from Ann Arbor that had moved to New York, and I was able to go tour Ellis Island. So I ended up writing something about it. And what was interesting, though, was that a lot of newspapers, they try what they call, they want to localize something. Mm -hmm. So in addition to writing about Ellis Island opening, I also interviewed somebody from Ann Arbor whose ancestors came from Italy. And uh, one thing, I mean, this is like years ago. And I one thing I remember that is that what she said when her grandmother came to this country, they held mm-hmm. a requiem mass for her because, because they thought she was going to die. Wow. 
But that was just a reflection of how people didn't know what life would be like for somebody, and they just mm-hmm. thought that they would never see her again. And you know, so that's why that was a second assignment that I thought really, really sparked my interest. Was Motown was sold. I think in 1987, and I wrote something about that. It might have been 88. And uh, I had the opportunity to meet and talk to a lot of people from that classic era from Detroit. And that was those were the beginnings of some long-format pieces that really influenced, I think, the type of writing that I wanted to do. And I also noted that my writing actually got better oh, yeah. by staying away from it for so long oh. and just absorbing and – and participating and not really, not really doing it all the time because you do get burned out. Oh, yeah. uh, and I was burned out from college, and so I stayed away from it. And I was actually writing in graduate school, but it was a different kind of writing. Yeah. And I just realized, though, that my my interest and my skill had skills had like gone up exponentially, and and it was because I stayed away from it. Wow. So that's, I guess, a lesson that you have, that sometimes you have to have those quiet times and that recharging and everything, and that's what I learned from that period. Absolutely. I think um, part of that is I just have a theory that, like, writing is sort of also like thinking. So, you know, you spend a, take a break from maybe, like, the pencil and paper or the computer, and you sort of think think about things, and then you you become a better writer in some ways when you just sit with your ideas. But thank you again, Mark, for stopping by today. We appreciate your time. Oh, thank you. And as for our listeners, thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Zion Addison. Metro 30 is produced in collaboration with the Youngstown Radio Reading Service. Visit metromonthly.net for news, features, and the Valley's most complete calendar of events. And be sure to subscribe to the Metro 30 podcast.